0: Welcome to Power, Strength and Vulnerability, the mental health podcast. It's time to make mental health a normal conversation with your host, Shane Kelton.
1: Welcome back to Troy. Troy is an amazing person. I have recorded with him before and he's the first returning guest who isn't my family member. Probably just be more of a catch up and people get to listen to us catch up. So welcome back, Troy.
2: Yeah, thank you very much, Shane. It's good to be back. Um, after a few, a little while now.
1: Yeah, we um, recorded back. I just had a look. The release date was 18th to the third 2019. So nearly three years yeah, ago. Three years ago. So it's. Uh, if <laughs> it's we been sat a big three years. We, yeah, we sat down and said, "What's going to happen over the next three years?" I don't think <laughs> we've got close. Nah, nowhere near it. Um, <laughs> you mentioned um, when we had technical issue before that uh, you've been quite lucky over the last couple of years. Been able to work right through, um, and I guess the first question I want to answer, uh, sorry, ask is, you know, how have you been able to work through? Why has your business been able to sort of keep going through?
2: Yeah, so basically, I work with, um, I work through uh, the government scheme called the NDIS which is the National National Disability and Insurance Scheme, which basically is a program that allows people like myself with disabilities, both intellectual and physical, and now they're, they're actually going into the mental health side of things, which is great. It allows them to access more, part, more of the community and have more choice and control over their lives and, and what they want to do within themselves and how they want to improve themselves. So working as a personal trainer like yourself for close to 10 years now, I've always been interested and always wanted to work in the disability field. And that's always been my niche. And it just so happened that the government put through the NDIS, which allows people to come see me for, with, uh, with government funding so they don't have to pull out of their own pocket. Yeah. And relating to COVID, the disability industry has always been left uh, made essential. Yeah. So I've always been uh, considered an essential worker, which legally has allowed me to allow my clients to come through uh, with certain protocols in place to continue their work and continue improving on themselves. So really, yeah, that, that's where I say blessed and uh, privileged to be able to be in the position I am now.
1: It is, and it is. And look, I wouldn't, have, to be honest, I wouldn't say it's blessed or a privilege at all. I think personally, this is in my personal opinion, is it's it's, a, it's a necessary. Um, mm. It's It's been quite necessary for people without disabilities to be able to get their physical exercise and their mental stimulation going through what has been know common word unprecedented times for our generation um no one i don't think anyone that's probably alive has almost been through a pandemic before Um, so it it wasn't it is and was necessary for people with disabilities to to have this and i i i believe i would know some of the answer to this question but from 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 people listening who don't have disabilities or, or unaware of the challenges with disabilities, you know, what could it have been like for yourself or some of your clients on a, on a personal level if they didn't have access to this training, you know, basically two years?
2: Yeah, well, the, the NDIS has turned people's lives with disability completely around. Uh, we, we've, a lot of us have had to fight really, really hard to get to where we are uh just living with a disability it, it's it's a very cost of, it's, it's very expensive at times depending on what treatment you need and the the assistive technology and the equipment that you need just to live everyday life um just to you know be able to put on a pair of pants for someone they might need a hoist yeah. which which creates uh which needs probably two people to help them out type thing so there's there's a simple task that you and i would take for granted granted where someone wouldn't be able to do it by themselves type thing so Something like this, a program like this has definitely changed the landscape for people with disabilities. And for someone like myself who's able to become a provider of the NDIS plus a participant with my condition myself, it's actually allowed me to buy my house, which which I bought uh, two years ago now. And it's enabled me to get a bit more financial freedom because I haven't had to dig into my own pocket to be able to pay for all the the necessary uh, treatments that I've had to get purely on my disability. So, and I'm someone who's high functioning. So I can only imagine how much other people are walking out of of their own pockets when number one, they don't work because of their condition. And yet they've got to pay so much to medical, to psychologists, to whoever and whoever else they're paying uh, rent. Um, When, yeah, they're, pulling, they're not putting pulling it out of their own pocket. So, so it's a massive help to, to people like myself and, and people with disabilities over the last uh, four years, I believe, it's been, been here for.
1: So more more specifically, the work you're doing with your clients, um, if they weren't able to access their physical training, mm. you know, how, much, how much would that, you know, and, and we are probably spitballing it a little bit in terms of what could happen. But yeah. From your perspective, you know, how far back could it have set some of your clients without going into specific details of clients or whatever, but how far could it have set some of them back? Oh, massively, yeah, you know. Yeah, they didn't have this access.
2: Mm, so as you know, between the two of us as, as trainers, if you don't use it, you lose it. So anyone who doesn't exercise or build muscle or, or you know, work on their fitness and, and, and whatever they're trying to do with their, with their health, they're going to go backwards um and that's with with no pre-existing conditions so someone with a disability like myself so for those who didn't listen to the part the first podcast i did where i explained my disability i'm born with a lower back degenerative condition and if i don't work on myself and build up my back muscles especially my muscles will deteriorate quite quickly compared to someone like yourself and that'll stop me from walking yeah um, the, the common with spinal bifida, the, the, one of the big common uh, side effects that happen as people get older is we get what's called spinal cord tethering, where the spinal cord where the spinal cord sits in the middle of the spinal column where the, it's uh, lubricated and you know it, it's there to help the body function. So basically what happens that spinal cord loses the lubrication and it attaches itself to the spinal column. Which creates full paraplegia or quadriplegic. So um, yeah, so for someone like myself with my condition, I could be a complete quadriplegic or paraplegic. Therefore, um, if I don't do anything about it, so and that's someone in my position who's got a really high functioning disability. Yeah. So that that's just sort of sort of give you an idea. Someone with a lower, lower a much more disabled um, disability or. Uh, much more high no, worse condition than I have. That anything can happen.
1: Yeah, and so I don't want to put words in your mouth, but it could eventually, it could potentially cost people years off their life. Re- in reality, um, yeah, absolutely. Not, not just not just quantity, but quality as well. The quality of their life deteriorates very quickly, and the quantity um, has a severe impact as well.
2: That's it. So I know people who were. Uh, at my age, in my you know early thirties, they were walkers. They were you know walking on crutches or walking by themselves or whatever the case might be. But then all of a sudden their ankles gave out for whatever reason, and now in their forties, forties and fifties, they're electric wheelchair bound. Yeah. Um, so the quality of life just goes completely downhill. Um, not necessarily their fault because back then uh, they didn't get the support they needed. So that's that's not on them. But. Could be on, you know, obviously the environment that was around them as well,
0: yeah.
2: and the supports are around them as well. But, um, yeah, look, if, if if the right supports aren't there, then anything can happen, unfortunately.
1: Yeah. <laughs> like, I, I follow what you do, I follow, I watch all your clients, and I'm just like, there's, there's mornings where I wake up, and I'm sure you probably do as well, like we probably all do. You wake up and you're like, I can't avoid getting out of bed today,
0: mm.
1: and uh, and then I'll. I'll be scrolling through Instagram and I'll see some of your clients through the pandemic, and I'm like, you know what? If they, if they can get up and you know push through the challenges they've got day to day, and um, uh, this isn't trying to compare. I think this is just reality: the, the challenges that people with disabilities have are more challenging than what I would have. That's just that's just reality, and that's not trying to say someone's worse off because we still have the mindset that basically we can be trapped by our own mind as well as our own physical disability. So it's not, it's not having a go at those who are struggling with their, their mental capabilities. Um, but the reality is the challenges that you have day to day are there. And I guess my next question is, because I saw something gone 60 minutes or today's not thinking It was a suburb in Queensland where they didn't have any footpaths, where they did have footpaths, they were really steep and, you know, those weren't wheelchair accessible. So you've got these people who are basically homebound in, in certain mm. suburbs. Now there's also the other side of it where you know some suburbs are just aren't developed and, and it's going to take years and years and years. So mm. you, you need to be a bit more careful in some aspects of, of where you live. Um, but the reality is, well, I guess what I'm trying to say is every day there's challenges for these people. You know, what's it been like through this you know pandemic for these people you you know you work with day in day out um with the extra challenges that they've had to face um the the social side of thing in life they they wouldn't be able to uh, you know get to and especially with their intellectual disabilities i guess as well um it's sometimes they can't understand the reality of the world um yeah. it's been like watching some of these people and how it, has it, it helped you and inspired you to move forward?
0: It,
2: it's going to sound weird, but is it, it hasn't changed too much for myself personally. Yeah. Um, and a lot of people with disabilities, I believe, would be very, very similar in the sense where my, my life, for example, has, all, has always been about adaptation and modification to, to what I need to do. Um, I've always tried to fit in to, to the world. And obviously, you know, trying to get the best out of myself. My parents were big advocates of that and they always wanted me to do as best as I possibly could in anything that I did and everything that I did. So my life um, up until now and and beyond, or you know, as I get older, will always be about adaptation and modification um, to what I've got to do because I can't do things that uh, an able-bodied person or a normal normal person can do type thing. So, I've always looked at the pandemic and gone, well, hang on a second, it's exactly the same thing.
0: Yeah.
2: All we have to do, as simple as it sounds, is modify and adapt to the situation. Yeah. Um, so, f- coming from a disability background, it's actually been a lot easier for some of us. Um, having said that, you mentioned people with intellectual disabilities, that's a completely different story, uh, where they, they don't even understand what's going on. Yeah. So, so again, I think there's there's just two ends of the spectrum. A lot of people have adapted really, really well, but um, yeah, a lot of us have a lot like anyone have have suffered quite a bit. So, it's all about just trying to get the right support around those people, uh, whoever they whoever that is, whatever that is. Uh, we it's it's something that I've I've learned just to try to support as as many people as I can, because yeah. I know how well off I am now with with what's going on.
1: Yeah. It's a great, it's great outlook on life, and it doesn't surprise me. And I, I think even dating back to our last podcast and people might listen and go, I reckon they're going to go, geez, Troy has come a long way in those three, even that three years. Um, and I I'm, I can safely say you have. I haven't watched you as a friend, um, as a colleague, as just an admirer at times. Um, I still remember some of the things, you know, you achieved four or five years ago, and I still remember the Troy back then. I don't think you would have had this mindset that you had, but you were determined, but mm. I think you were determined in moments, but now you seem to be like, this is the way you live rather than time. And would you say that's a fair assumption?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I think that's, that's 110% correct. Um, I, I was good in my own bubble. Yeah, in my own bubble with what I wanted to do, with where I was in life, uh, especially, you know, the exercise PT side of things and, and disability um, engagement and disability uh, advocacy and all that sort of thing, I knew exactly what I was doing. I had that confidence. I had the um, had the drive. I had the, you know, I was getting a lot of inspiration, giving a lot of inspiration to people unintentionally uh, like yourself. And over the last three years, I've just found, and the pandemic's had a big um, effect on it. Is You've got to take what you're good at and use that to help your weak, to strengthen up your weaknesses. You know, you're only as good as your own, you're only as good as your weaknesses.
0: Yeah.
2: And you're only, you know, you're only as good as what you can't do. Yeah. So if you take your, if you take your weaknesses and make them your strength, then your strengths become your weaknesses and it becomes a, it becomes a cycle. And then all of a sudden you just keep getting better and better. And something that I've always been really good at is surrounding myself with the right people but also on the flip side of that is walking away from the people that oh, I shouldn't be around at that time. So, um, I do, I do owe a lot to the, the people that I've been around. There's been a lot of hard and tough conversations that I've had to go through with a lot of loved ones and family members. And, and that's almost, that's basically left me in tears and, uh, you know, left me wondering what am I doing with my life? And you know, what what was I doing in the past type thing? So,
0: yes.
2: I owe a lot to my family and a lot of tough conversations that they've forced upon or yeah, basically made me have, yep. which I didn't want to have. So that's that's definitely helped as well.
1: My next question is is related, to, you know, people with disability. I don't know if we touched on this in the first podcast. You know, what are some of the things you don't want? Some like let's say someone's really uncomfortable about someone mm. with disability, which which happened because and it is changing, you know, you're seeing kids' books, you know, people with all different disabilities also say all different nationalities, your genders, all of that. There's, there's everything kids are seeing it without them actually knowing what they're seeing. Mm. Um, we, didn't, we definitely didn't have that. And I'll be the first one to say, like, oh, I don't know what to say all the time um, and mm. I don't know whether that, that, even that's the right thing to say, but what are the, some of the things that you would implore people to do if they're around people with disabilities, mm. what are there some of the things you would implore them not to do? Um, and I guess this is coming. Kind of, I'm working at the moment at a vaccination hub where yeah. disability clients come through daily, 15 to 20, 30 of them, maybe daily. Um, and sometimes I'm like internally like crying because I don't know if I'm doing or saying the right things. And mm. I, All I want to do is, is help this person have... A more pleasant experience in, in that moment and how I can do that and I think there's probably a lot of people this is the, you know don't get me wrong there's people out there that are just completely ignorant and rude and prefer not to learn but for the people out there that want to learn what are some of the things and to do or to say and not to do and not to say yes
2: yeah, so I think the two the two biggest things I can tell you the two probably most important aspects to to, to answer your question number one is be yourself you know and, and and that's in every in every aspect of life you you can't pretend to be someone you're not um even when you're trying to work with a person with disability you know the second one is be have, have an open mind um the 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 one thing that i absolutely hate and i disgust is um, someone thinking someone dumbing themselves down to talk to me or yeah. to try to to try to get along with me or to try to not offend me yeah. Yeah. You know, um, and you know, you know, people say, "Oh, look, do you mind if I ask you a question? I don't want to offend you. I don't want to upset you. Do you mind if I ask ask you a question?" Now, in my in my head, I'm sitting, shut up and ask me the question. Yeah. <laughs> um, just just in my own head, but that again, I'm confident in who I am and in my disability. Um, so I'm a little bit different in that sense, but. Um, yeah, just look. You know, you're asking. You know, you ask me a lot of questions about my condition and about you know my life in general, and and you have in the past. I look at that and I go, well, all you're doing is trying to learn. Yeah. Now you might come across a little bit rude, or a little bit offensive, or, or whatever the case is, and you've <laughs> you've never done that, but um, I, I I know that you're just trying to learn. Yeah. So the worst thing I can do is tell you to shut up or go away or go to, you know, what other people are saying, saying um, and say, mind your own business because it's on me to teach you. you you're you asking a question. And people in general, they're, they're just asking someone a question because they actually want to learn.
0: Yeah.
2: Um, and now, so it, it's on the person with a disability to actually open themselves up.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Now, a lot of people aren't ready to do that, and I understand that as well. Some people still, they haven't you know, they don't accept the disability or they don't respect it or, or they haven't come to terms with it or, you know, whatever their, their situation is, that's, that's what they're going through and I respect that as well. But um, you're trying to learn as much as I'm trying to get you to learn. I want you to learn, but you're only going to learn if I talk to you.
1: So essentially, essentially it's basically a partnership, a collaboration of honesty and vulnerability on both parts. Yeah, Absolutely. I think, I think and I, hopefully this is, this is correct, but one of the one first things I say to people with a, a mental illness is hmm. um, I actually don't know what to say. Um, Can you help me? Can you lead me in the right direction? Is there anything yeah. you want to talk about or whatever? It, essentially, is that something that someone can potentially do? Just, and I guess it probably comes, as I'm saying, it probably comes down to the reason why someone's doing it and as you said I do do it to try and learn I I do it because I'm genuinely interested in it because I think personally what we can learn out of people with disabilities or or you know even um any any com anything that's seen as different I don't think it's different I think it's just part of who we are um I think it's a really important skill for all of us because some of the best people and the most creative people are those are the ones that have had a disability of some kind, whether it be emotional, whether it be physical, whether it be um, on the, on any type of spectrum. The creative side to these people is something we need to harness. And when I say the word "user," uh, I don't mean in take advantage. I think a mm. use it to create a better planet and communities and, and stuff like that. So is one of the, you know, the best things to do is to just basically say, I'm sorry if I'm maybe not, I'm sorry, but I, you know, I don't want to say the wrong thing, but um, can you please work with me mm. to be better in this department or something like that? Yeah. I'm,
2: I'm not personally, as I said, I, I just be up upfront up front with the person um, and where all people with disabilities want is to be treated as a normal, as a normal person, mm. as an as a, as an everyday person. So you wouldn't go up to say a um a leash, for example, or even Ryder when he you know when he's older. You you wouldn't go up to him and say um I don't want to offend you because because you know that yeah um and you know you've got your friends and your family that that you know and you wouldn't go up to someone and say I don't want to offend you or I don't want to yeah. I you, 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 there's that stigma there. Yeah,
1: yeah.
2: So it's almost, from my point of view, I would take all of that out and just say, do you need help? Uh, ask them what you want to ask them without having to give a, a whole spiel beforehand that they've heard a 1,055 times. Yeah. They're, they're, they're completely sick of, you know. Um, a lot of people, and this is not people with disabilities, but when someone goes through something so much, they, there's only so much they can take. yeah. You know, you could sit there and you could tap your, tap your face all day yeah. and you'd be fine with it. Then all of a sudden you're going to go, oh, shit, that's annoying. Mm-hmm. Um, and so people with disabilities or even mental health or, you know, or whatever the case is, they get asked the same question over and over and over and over again or they get the same spiel over and over again about not wanting to offend them or not wanting to, to hurt their feelings. It gets to the point where you, they look at someone and they go, I know exactly what you're about to ask me get away from me and then yeah. it puts them in a negative vibe yeah. and then they end up being rude to that person when that person's only trying to help or, or trying to ask a question but it's just got that stigma to it if that makes sense
1: yeah it makes sense and i'm learning and i'm definitely learning there uh, it just like rang so true it's like you've heard you've heard the you know people say i don't want to offend you or it's something of that like over and over and over again and what's actually happening in that moment is let's say it's me asking the question or saying that I'm thinking about myself I'm not thinking about the other person so what we actually need to do is we need to take ourselves out get rid of the fear the anxiety that we're going to stuff up just let go let go of, of all that fear, that anxiety around stuffing up around this person. And as you said, just ask the question. Yeah. Just speak to them. Don't, don't tiptoe around it. Mm. And you know If you do say the, the wrong thing or something that offends this person, mm. it's then on the other person to say, hey, look, hang on a minute. What you've just said actually offends me. Here's yeah. why, okay, I'm really sorry, I didn't know that. My error, um, mm. and we move forward. So it's rather than starting with, because I'm assuming now that um, I don't want to offend you is probably <laughs> probably <laughs> offensive, to yeah, be honest. Yeah, yeah. It's creating yeah. this, you're different to me mm. uh, kind of barrier. So,
2: and then for me personally, <laughs> I sit there and someone comes up to me and they say that line or something along those lines. And then I'm sitting there going, Fuck, all right, here we go type thing because, oh, I know what's coming. Yeah. Um, and, then, and then that's my reaction. So I can only imagine what other people with disabilities reaction would be when they're not as confident or not, not as accepting of what their condition is just yet.
1: Yeah. And, like, you do have a, you have a fantastic attitude towards it and that's plain and simple because I've seen it through Facebook messaging groups and stuff like that. You, you, you're you involved in the banter um, mm. and you you're very accepting and respective as you said of of who you are i'm not mm. when, when I say that i'm not going to say um there's disability there because I think it's it's actually a strength it's an ability that you've got to adapt as you said, i'm using your words adapt to the situation that your life is you know we we all have our own lives we all have our own our own things um and you've chose to harness that. And the next, the next sort of thing I want to talk about is you know, what you've been able to do with that is, you know, you started off by setting yourself, you know, challenges and physical challenges, you know. Um, we, and we spoke about these, you did the man's you know, downing on fight um thousand steps, then you did the you've done um bodybuilding contest, and then we spoke briefly about the footy, but and how important is being involved in that community of, you know, wheelchair football, like Victorian football, I will say the Victorian football, like, you know, how important is it for you to, and not just you, but everyone else in that to be a part of that?
2: Oh, it's, it's one of the most important things in the world to us, you know. Um, I grew up like myself as a big uh, football fan, and all I ever wanted to do was play, was play AFL football. Now, having a physical disability, that wasn't that possible up until four years ago, or you know, just uh, probably five or six now. Um, so, the inclusion side of things that the AFL have brought in, and and more specifically AFL uh, Victoria with with the league that we've got going, is it's life changing, uh, and we actually have able-bodied people mixing with with the disabilities at at this stage. So, the able-bodied people actually get an idea of what it's like to be in a wheelchair, and compete in a wheelchair. So you could. You know, apply for the draft if you wanted to, theoretically. Um, and it, it gives people that that idea, and it gives that that indication of okay, this is what it takes uh, just to be in a wheelchair.
0: Mm-hmm. Um,
2: but from the from a disability point of view, it's 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 inclusion. You know, the, I've always dreamt of, of being an AFL player, which I am now. Yeah. And the, the amount of times that I've gone into the Hawthorne, oh, I'll pay for the Hawthorne Hawks. And the amount of times that I've been able to actually go down to Waverley Park in their training center and be integrated into their into their club and with all their players is absolutely amazing. And it's just that next step in with inclusion that, that needs to happen in this world.
1: Can you can you give me an update on um, the I guess the growth of the game within The sport that you're playing, you know, Mm -hmm. where did it start? Where is it at to, and what does the future look? And the other question um, on that is, you know, if someone is listening, you know, how do they get involved in this? Because it is growing, Um, Mm. unfortunately, and you'll probably you can probably touch on this as well. Unfortunately, that that pandemic did um, probably slow the growth um, quite a bit. Um, But you know, what does that all look like?
2: It's actually it's actually in a really good spot. Obviously, we've we've just gone through the we're going through the pandemic and we're hopefully coming out of the the hardest side of it. But um, AFL Victoria have done an amazing job. You know, the whole AFL system. I believe um, in last year the VFL got cancelled completely. Uh, the the women's at the moment of, they're running now and they're, they're having issues with you know postponed games and whatnot. So. All all throughout the AFL, um, all throughout their ranks, have had issues throughout the whole whole league. But the one thing that AFL Victoria have done really, really well for us is they've actually prioritised us. Yeah. So the last two seasons, they haven't been what we wanted, and they haven't been a full season. But what they've done is, when we've all been allowed to to compete with each other and you know gather together, they've created two lightning seasons where they've basically created small round robins.
0: Yeah.
2: Simply to prioritize us and get us out of the court again. Yeah. And just to get us socializing and seeing people and then getting back into the sport and into the clubs as well. Yeah. So to have that opportunity to play the last two seasons under the pandemic when uh the you know the VFL the VFL season got canned completely last year. Yep. So it's it's been an amazing experience to to just be prioritized. Um for the first time in a long time, people with disabilities and disability sports is got a higher priority than, than what it has in the past.
1: and it's um, Yeah, that's been amazing. And, and to, to, I guess to add to their point is it's, it doesn't make money. so oh, no, it doesn't, no. So the, yeah. the fact that they're willing to really push that and, and keep it up and running is a really important thing. And to like oh, I don't know where it goes because we don't know what the future holds, but it's not something that, to be honest, the women's game is going to make a lot of money. Yeah, absolutely. At some point. the 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 wheelchair um the sport of wheelchair football is probably going to take a lot longer to actually bring in any money but obviously for them this isn't about money this is about making sure that people have an outlet um to go somewhere to be and and as you said it's, it's inclusion it's community it's support it's love it's it's those things that we all crave as human beings, it's not just disability, people with disabilities, it's, it's everyone us as, it, as humans want that.
2: Yeah, absolutely, you know, and, and you only have to look at the, the, the Women's League to see how far it's come. Yeah. You know, from, from doing it completely voluntary, I believe, in their first year and now they're getting paid.
0: Yeah.
2: Within a few years. So um, that was the natural progression of it and it's only going to get better. Uh, you know, and the same is going to go for the wheelchair leagues, for the feeder leagues, which is, for those who don't know, it's the intellectual disability leagues that they have. Um, you know, We've got five teams in the mo- at the moment, and there's 18 teams in the country, and there's 10 in Victoria. So the next step is to, to of course, get more teams involved. Um, but unfortunately, COVID and, and the pandemic slowed that down. Yeah. But it's only going to be a matter of time before more teams come in, which means more participation for more, for more people being able to play the game. Yeah. And therefore more, you know, a lot more inclusion for people with disabilities.
1: Yeah. And as you said, it's it's really good with the camaraderie of, of people without the disabilities mm. and, and people with disabilities. Um again, it's a a laugh and it's an awkward laugh, but 30 years ago, disability, you know, people with disabilities were pushed to the side. Mm. And, you know, we've got this game that is forged people with disabilities. And what do the people do with disabilities? They include those without disabilities straight away, without Straight a, away, yeah. Without a yeah question. Exactly, yes. So it's amazing, it's a like, and that's where I find, and yeah, I laugh because I was awkward, but I now have a couple of tears in my eyes because it's like it's a beautiful thing that, you know, despite the history of um, exclusion within different diversities of life, once people get that opportunity, they're the first to welcome with open arms those who push them out. Um, they're the ones that because they know how it feels, mm-hmm. and they're like, "No, we want you here, but we also, we want you to show." And and probably within some people, this this look, this like, you know, well, I'm going to let them in because I'm going to show them what it means. I'm going to you know, stick it up <laughs> a little bit, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which um, which you know doesn't always end well. But the reality is that it's. You know, to to be honest it's a brilliant and beautiful thing that is happening um, what and we don't, we don't have to touch on this but um, and I, but I just thought of it today you know this season just gone uh ended quite sadly with the passing of you know one of the pioneers of of, of the game um, what well, was what well, um, his name was Brendan.
2: Um, Brendan, Brendan Stroud, yes.
1: Yeah. He, what was it like, <laughs> you know, if you could sum him up as a person and what he's done for the sport, because the, you always look back at the pioneers of the game, and, you, know, mm. you know, Daisy's peers probably springs to mind as someone who, you know, did everything despite no money being involved. She pushed hard, she pushed hard. And, and there's, there's others who were inducted into the Hall of Fame in the previous couple of years. But what what did he do for the sport, and what you know on a personal level, what did he do for you?
2: Uh, yeah, Without getting too emotional about this, he he did everything for the sport. You know, he um he was the one who started the whole thing. Yes, yeah. so he he was a mad mad Collingwood supporter like yourself.
0: Yeah. Um,
2: and working for Disability Sport and Recreation um, at the time, he and Richard Amon, who was who's the president of the of the club. They're both Mad Collingwood supporters, and they had the they had the contacts. Um, I was I was actually at uh, BJ's funeral where um, they were telling the story. One of the, one of the executives for Collingwood or whoever the contact was, they had they had a meeting with him, and they just said, "Oh, look, what do you think about a wheelchair football game?" And that's that, and that's how it was born. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you know, six or seven years later, or whatever it's been, it's now where it is now, simply because of BJ. And that one conversation, that one I knew that, that that they both had. So, um, yeah. Look, he's he's done an amazing. It's a, he will. Um, his memory will always be. He'll, he'll always be remembered, and his memory will always be treasured. And uh, I believe there's going to be some more, some more. Uh, I guess more more things in his name coming coming. You know, into the future, which is well deserved.
1: Yeah, no, I was going to say. I have no doubt that at some point. Um, his name will feature on a medal or a, oh, a cup some at some um time when the time is right and when it's um right for the family and the friends mm. and all of that and yeah like I, I still remember it you know kept a keen eye on you know the sport and you know when Collingwood won it and you know around that time you know things these things oh, I believe happened for a reason and mm it was the right time. I think Any no one was calling it to win anything. Um, but I think on that day and around Yeah. Time, I think everyone was, you know, very glad that they, they were the team that won it. But um, probably once they won it, everyone's like, never again.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, look, and, you know, for for, for people watching it or listening, uh, so what actually happened was BJ uh, was diagnosed with cancer. I believe it was 2020, started 2020, might've been 2019, um, whatever that was. And uh, he... He got it turned terminal, so he knew was he was going to pass. I, me personally, I was under the impression he was going to get the full season out and he would pass probably this year sometime in twenty twenty two. What ended up happening for whatever reason, he actually passed the night before the grand final, mm-hmm. which was extremely emotional for everyone involved, especially the Collingwood players. Um, I don't I don't envy the, any of those two teams. So Collingwood and, and Essendon made the grand final. I don't and I I. Still don't know how people got up to play that game, especially the Collingwood players. So um and what ended up happening was they Collingwood won by under a goal, though they took the lead within the line la- within a within a minute to ago. And then they ended up winning. So that was definitely a lot of uh divine intervention with that one.
1: Yeah.
2: Uh but definitely, yeah, definitely well deserved and definitely uh, went to the right team this year. <laughs> yeah, this year. <laughs> this year. I did say this year. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: um what? What's, you know, personally, um, you know, what, what does the sport look like for you over the next year or two? And um, to those out there listening, and I'll ask that question after, to, to, you know, what's the sport look like for you in the next couple of years? Is it something that you just, you don't say an end date to, it's just something you just love and you, you'll do until the body tells you you can't do it anymore, basically?
2: absolutely you know um i always use the example that my dad uh he played sport or some sort of sport till he was about 65. um so he, he was always a big inspiration to me from a sporting point of view uh he was i think he well, he's definitely the oldest in the family to, to, to participate in sport um so my goal is to be is to get to hit as close to that as possible if not get past 65 from play
0: yeah
2: uh, i'm in a luck again i'm in a good position where uh being a wheelchair sport i all i have to do is keep my upper body healthy and I should be able to go on a little bit longer. Uh, so, in terms of the future, so that, that's what I want to do within myself is, is play as long as I possibly can, like you said. But and we, you know, we, with the the future of the sport, it's number one. It's it's like anything. It's recovering from the pandemic, and allowing the clubs to to get get their feet again or around everything. They've done really well. The five teams that I've that have been involved, and it's just a matter of of growing the sport as much as we can, trying to get the the new clubs to come in. Uh, I think you know. Obviously, we want to try and get the full VFL going and have all ten teams in, yeah. and then see how we can go from there. You know, the, the ultimate goal is to have a national competition like the women have now, where we're traveling around Australia and potentially, and, you know, getting paid for it. That's the ultimate goal. How long it takes, you know, you never know.
1: Yeah, and it's something that it, it's. I think we always we always skim over. There's a period of time where it transitions from mm-hmm not getting paid to getting paid and, and those people who don't get paid um, and do it out of love, you know, really are driven and are doing it because they want to see a future in you know, it. They want to see, you know, the the person who's had an unfortunate incident. Um, I won't say an unfortunate incident. I'll say an incident young and, and has become, you know, has a disability. Mm. They want to see them be included. They want to see them you know, strive for something. And I think the Paralympics last year, it couldn't have come at almost a better time within Melbourne, being still within mainly a lockdown. Mm. So we got to see a lot of what these amazing people can do. Um, like I, I was incomplete or um, I couldn't see everything because I did have to go back to work. Um, but, you know, I checked in and followed a lot of it and I was just like, I hope the, the little boys and little girls out there can see themselves doing that one day. And I think what you and all your teammates and the other teams are doing is basically doing that. And I hope over the next couple of years that it gets more and more traction um, through social media and um, through the media, um, through all all types of, types of stories. I hope I hope in five years' time they're pulling this podcast link and saying this is Troy Hawkins, you know, one of the pioneers of the game. Um, to be honest, because it would be amazing to see these kids and you know, I have working where I'm working at the moment now, I've seen kids come through in wheelchairs and with disabilities and, and going. I hope you've got a role model that you can follow. And whether it be with someone with disability or or an ability sport, mm. I hope you've got something that you are willing to strive for and you know you can. And you have that outlet. It's not like it was twenty years ago, where you're like, I, I'm not going, I'm never going to play this sport. I just can't because mm. that, there's nothing there for me. So I hope that does dramatically change. And, and you're one of the pioneers of that.
0: Yeah,
2: absolutely. You know, it's it's the, the the way the world's going and the way the world's come in the last five years, let alone the last 10, 20 years. It's it's, it's been amazing for us, and we're we're slowly getting to where we want to get to. Um, yeah, and look, you know, you can talk about you can talk about you know sexism there, like getting obviously women giving them more giving them more opportunities as as the AFL have done, um, along with you know the um, Indigenous Australians as well. So you know, all, all these minority groups, all, all these groups, I should say, sorry, all these groups are, are getting more opportunities, and uh, it's just going to the way the world is and the way this country is. Especially, we're just going to keep growing and hopefully growing and learning over the next uh, you know five years or so.
1: And you, yeah you touched on it there, but um in in wheelchair b f l you have men and women that play alongside each other as well, so it's it's not just inclusion disability and, and ability it's it's women and men um which is another fantastic aspect to it because um it's again that inclusion that camaraderie that togetherness uh it's in the, at the end of the day, we are all just human, that's it. At the core,
2: yeah, absolutely. And uh, you know, within the AFL system, we're the only league that actually actually has men and women playing together as well. Yeah. So to say that it's when we say inclusion, we we really mean it's inclusive. It's it's got nothing to do with just disabilities. Um, it's not got nothing to do with disabilities. Really. It, it's it's everyone coming together to play a game that we can all play.
1: And the other, the last thing I guess I'll probably want to touch on today um, is the training that goes into it because. It actually is quite intense. Like I've seen some of your mini, like mini videos, the training sessions. It's, you guys train hard. You guys and girls train hard. Um, it's, not just, it's not just turn up and roll around and, you know, sort of play. It, you, you've literally trained hard.
2: Yeah, absolutely. You know, we're at the like, – again, I'll, I'll reference the women as well. You know, when we first came into league and when they first came into league, we're out there to prove a point, and we're out there to prove that we belong. And the only way to do that when you when you're competing against the AFL, or not competing against AFL, but when you've got the AFL as as the benchmark, all you can do is put everything into it. Mm-hmm. And you know, you, you've seen a few games yourself, and you've you've been there live a few times as well um, before the pandemic hit, where it's it's just everyone's just putting their full effort in and putting in their full they full ability in, and it's 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 almost like a no no holds barred type scenario where the 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 crushes and the contacts are quite 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 big, even though we're technically a non-contact sport. Yeah, so, yeah, you know, when we've been we've been so, sorry to cut you off there, but when we've been denied something for so long, coming back to what you were saying before, when you finally get it, all you're gonna do is just do whatever you can and put everything you possibly can into it.
1: Yeah, no, I, I love I love the whole attitude to the whole concept. To be honest, like it's, um, it's funny you say. It. Like it is hard, and I've watched those games, and I'm sitting here like I just couldn't. I, yes, you said it's non-contact, but I'm just like I can't see myself not getting hurt personally. Personally, <laughs> personally that's how I feel. I'm just like this is crazy. Um, that that's that's what we love about sport is that people are that passionate and willing to put put their bodies on the line, you know, game in, game out and with the training. And um, as you said, it's it's no different to any other sport or competition where you put your best foot forward and you work hard to achieve a common goal. And if you don't reach that common goal, you enjoy everything in between that happens, you know, the the whole journey. And um, I'm sure I'm, I'm positive in, Twenty years time, you're going to look back and be really extremely proud and um, of all, everything you're doing within the sport, within your community, um, within the community. Um, so I, I, I hope you, as a person, you know, are able to sit back sometimes and just understand how much of an impact you're having within individuals' lives um, and within the community. Um, as I said before, there's pioneers of the women's game that we look back now and in 10, 15 years time, whether it's your name or others' names, I think when they, when they talk about three or four, they're they're just the names that come to light, but there's a group of people and you're definitely one of those groups of people. And I, I want to finalize this by thanking you for on short notice, jumping on the podcast. Um, and I will, sorry, I do have one more question. Um, if people want to get involved in the game um, as a player, as a supporter, how can they get involved?
2: Yep. So basically go on to AFL Victoria website. Uh, the, the bloke, that, the guy that is really nice guy, the guy who runs the whole competition is named Steve Hodges. And if you send him an email or, you know, you send an email um, from, from the AFL Victoria website, they'll, they'll be able to point you in the right direction. So that, that, that would be the easiest way to get involved.
0: Yeah.
2: Um, and I encourage everyone to, if you don't want to play the game, and like you know, you, you said yourself, you probably couldn't see yourself playing it. Um, come down, and have a look. You know, it's a different sport that a lot of people haven't seen. It's a it's, I like to, to liken it to a combination of AF, of football, basketball, and netball, yeah. where it's played on a basketball court. It's a handball replaces the kick, and a, a underarm throw replaces the handball. You're still trying to get it to the goals at the, uh, on the baselines, and um, it's it's a. It's a nipple, It's like a netball setup where you've got two forwards, two backs in a centre, and you've got your zones as well. So it's a combination of three different sports, which is unlike a lot of other, unlike most sports that are out there. So it's definitely a good uh, visual to see and something that'll expand your
1: mind a lot. And it probably sums up everything we're talking about. It's a, it's adapting allow. It's a, they've adapted the game, so it's allowed people to actually play the sport that they want to play.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And it's given more people uh, an opportunity to play in sport. Even for someone who, again, you you know, we've got able-bodied people in there as well. A lot of people have gotten injured from playing able-bodied sport and they actually can't play that anymore. Yeah. So they're eligible to come into our leagues and um, still give themselves the opportunity to play as well, which is is great.
1: Just to finish off, I I want to say thank you for, again, joining me on short notice, Um, you know, I probably didn't. I didn't think this was you were going to be the one that answered the call, but I'm. Um, I'm so grateful you did because I think the conversation we've just had, I think is going to impact a lot of people's lives once they listen to it. Um, as a as a final note, um, if people want to reach out to you or your business, how can they reach out?
2: Yep, so I've got a Facebook page which is All Inclusive Body Transformations, which is the name of my business. Also, I do a lot of advertising on Instagram, which is uh, Troy underscore AIBT, and then that's where I put a lot of my information and a lot of my videos, a lot of my posts, and, and show a lot of my clients and what they can do.
1: And uh, another question, um, with you know people coming into your business, you um, Is it all face-to-face? Is it online? Um, Is it when it comes to the NDIS, do they have to go through the NDIS first or is that something you can help them with?
2: It's something I can definitely help them out with. Everything I do is all face-to-face right now. Um, Naturally, through the pandemic, I I did a bit of online thing, online um, training. But, yeah, it's all face-to-face. You don't have to be on the NDIS. It does definitely help because there's obviously you can get government funding which which allows you not to, to pull out of your own pocket which is great if you're eligible for that but um yeah look you know if you go onto the NDIS websites all the information is there to try and uh, apply for it and see if you can get on onto it if not I, as I said I'm a provider and a participant of the NDIS so I've got a bit of I've got the best of both worlds yep. and I can definitely help people out with that if need be mm-hmm.
1: Cheers, mate. Uh, that's flown by. Uh, again, thanks so much for, for joining me today. Um, I think what we'll need to do is we'll actually probably need to book in a couple, a chat every couple of months, in in just not for the podcast, literally just to catch up because every time I speak to you, I get so much from you. Um, and yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing what the next twelve months brings for you. And um, every twelve months, you you go from strength to strength and You spoke about that today. Uh, You keep improving. So well done, everything you've accomplished. Thanks for sharing. And um, yeah, we'll chat soon.
2: Yeah, thanks. Love that, Shane. It's always great to catch up with you.
0: Thanks for listening to Power, Strength and Vulnerability, the mental health podcast. If anything in this podcast has brought up difficult feelings, please call Lifeline on 13 1144. For any further information, or if you want to bring your story to life, contact Shane at shane at That's V I T A L I T Y F I T T.com.au.